12, 18, 7, 66, 153. That old grey mare, she ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be. And that concludes the number station portion of this week's episode. We trust our agents worldwide will act on the instructions they have just received. Meanwhile, we'll get on with the episode proper, in which we discuss Cherry Ripe, The Pip, The Buzzer, and The Squeaky Wheel. Are we reviewing Sex Toys again? Because I thought that was for the other... Oh, oh I'm sorry, I've, I've said too much. You have it that. So, while the rest of you scrub the implications of M's misspeaking from your memories, we'll get on with the show. Sex toy, sex toy, you're my sex toy. It's true, folks, he is my sex toy. Ooh. Like Tom Jones. Ooh. Tom Sex Jones. Ooh. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Located for your convenience in Auckland, New Zealand, it consists almost entirely of Josh Edison and Dr. M. R. Extender. And, of course, the ghosts in the machine. Well, obviously. Can't, can't get rid of the pesky things. Um, yeah, that virus thing we got did not work at all. No, no. Now, if we sound a little different, I hope we sound a little different, because we finally have this, this lapel mic set-up business. Once again, paid for Ooh. by... Sorry, I have to set the lick of the whiskey off the rim there. <laughs> happens all the time. Mm. Paid for by the good patron monies of our good patron Patreon pa Patronuses. I assume you all have Patronuses of some particular kind. That's a Harry Potter reference for it those is. of you who aren't catching up. Mm. 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 Or mm. at speed. I have no idea where I was going with aren't catching up. No, I think you. I think you stumbled after Patronuses. I haven't even recovered. started drinking mm. the whiskey yet. It's this is how things start. Things will just get worse. But yes, because of your kind donations, we've got these lovely lights for those of you who are watching the vodcast version, and these not so lovely lapel mics. They're not the best lapel mics in the world. But then again, that's because we don't have all the money in the world. But we are persevering. Mm. So. If you aren't a patron and you want to help us with this podcast and get that free bonus episode every week where we talk about other bits of the news we don't cover on the show, then why not throw a few dollars a month our way? I will not spend it on coffee. I probably will spend it on coffee. Mm. I won't spend it on coffee because I don't like coffee. Because Josh is a deeply flawed human being. I have the taste buds of an infant. But that's by the by. Uh, today... We're, we're, we're going to take a break from horrible goings-on and, and, and totalitarian states and all the doom and gloom of last of And last instead, talk about horrible John Cusack films. Are we? The Numbers Station. Ah, okay, because we're going to be talking about Numbers Stations. Wasn't that the one with Peter Dinklage? No, that was the no, Station Agent. No, that was the, yeah. the Station yeah. Agent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a different film. Yeah, very, yeah. very different film. Right, so, uh, strap in as we start talking about stations and, and the numbers they produce. Yep. Get your straps on or your straps in and get ready to talk number wang. So, numbers stations. Not stations. just bad films starring John Cusack. Mm. Actually, I have no idea, no idea whether it's a good film or a I, bad film. I because have not seen it. John no. Cusack was one of those actors who was kind of at the top of his game a decade and a half ago, mm. and everything he's made in the last 10 years has been basically unnoticed. 
doesn't seem to understand how rain works. Really? Just about, Tell me about ev- rain. just about every film John Cusack is in involves a scene of him standing out in the rain, just getting utterly drenched for no good reason, really. Maybe he really likes showers. Maybe he does, yeah. Or maybe he doesn't like showers, and that's the only way to get him clean on set. Because, oh, John, we have to have the, the downpour scene in the middle of the computer server scene. Uh, yes, we have a plot point here where... Just do the scene, John, just do, just do the scene. Mm, it's like Tom, to- Tom Cruise running or Tom Hanks urinating. John Cusack just gets rained on. Sorry, Tom Hanks urinating? Tom so- Hanks is... You know how to- 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 you get the Tom Cruise in running, right? Oh, you see, there you go. I've got no, got no qualms about Tom Cruise. He num- runs in everything. The number of films that Tom Hanks has been in that features him taking a piss... For no really good. I mean, obviously you have the Green Mile, where the whole point is his character has a, a urinary infection that the the magical guy fixes. Um, but then, like Castaway or whichever one, whatever it was called, the one where he's where Robinson Crusoe one features scenes of him pissing into the ocean. A League of Their Own, I'm pretty sure he's introduced at a urinal in the in the toilets. He just he he for some reason. Right now, I want urinates to point out more on camera. The reason why I don't know about the Tom Hanks urination thesis. Those are three films I've never seen. Mm. Look, we've probably got way off track right at the start, so maybe we should just just define terms soon as number stations, stations with numbers. Tell me more. All right, so number stations are a phenomenon which get talked about in conspiracy theories an awful lot. So a number station basically is a radio broadcast which usually starts with an introduction, some music, an array of numbers then going back to music and then silence until the station starts up again. And people have been quite curious as to exactly what these stations are and what they mean. Now, the usual story is, around about World War I, it was decided that a really good way to pass information from one power to another, or from one agent or agency to another, was by encrypted communications. Now, of course, the problem with encrypted communications, if you're ferrying them by person, is you have to get from point A to point B. So people went back to the time-honoured classic, which is the phrasebook, which is someone has what's called a pad, and that pad has a number of pages, and on each page is a almost appears to be random selection of words, And then what you do to get your encrypted communication from one place to another is you tell which person which page of the pad to start with, say, page 27, and then words 13, 88, 62, 400, 9, pi, that's number wang. And what you'd then get was someone would go through those numbers and go, ah, the message says you are an... Asshole, love the enemy. Oh, we've been caught out. So basically, number stations are taken to be examples of World War One to around about the end of the Cold War transmissions of spies or agencies passing information from one point to another. Now, the reason why number stations are so fascinating here and now, is that even if we accept that story of the origin of number stations, number stations still exist. And the thing about the Cold War, right, it's over. So, why are people still using Cold War technology, and why? what are they using it for? 
Well, indeed. So, I mean, it, it appears to be for the same function as they were used before. The sorts of broadcasts you hear from number stations are the, still the same sorts of things, which presumably means there's there, there still some sort of cryptography thing going on. Um, it, it is interesting to sort of the, the way um, it kind of goes in the opposite direction from how you would normally sort of normally if you want to secure something you try to make it as obscure as possible this goes the absolute opposite route of just broadcasting it absolutely everywhere um which a sort of makes it harder to um determine a uh, i suppose to, to you can determine the source of course of, you a, can, of yeah. a short wave radio transmission but tri 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 triangulation works mm. for radio broadcasts but the source in terms of um what agency or who's behind it and so on it's sort of it's it's um it's not security through obscurity. It's 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 exactly the opposite of that. I don't know what the phrase for it is, but it's an interesting way to see the technology work. Um, but as for what it's being used for now, kind of don't know really. I mean, there are there, right. So there, there are, are lots of ideas. So there are certain things we do know. For example, North Korea has started using number stations again. I think from around about 2016, they've had a number of broadcasts. And it looks as if the actual rationale behind the broadcast is to foment fear and distrust, i.e. they're broadcasting what might actually just be completely random messages so that people in South Korea will go, oh, what are they trying to say? Is this a warning sign of something that's about to occur? So some number stations may exist now just to make people paranoid about what might be going on behind the scenes. Some number stations may exist now because of actual spying. So there's been at least one case prosecuted in the US of recent note where the US has prosecuted Cuban dissidents of using a number station for getting information from Cuba to mainland America. So the notion is there are still governments using number stations as a way of engaging in encrypted comms. I am thinking... I've got some number station audio for the podcast. I should probably insert that audio right about here. Jedna, tři, 
So that is an example of a number station broadcast. And as you admit, the it's kind of weird sounding. Mm. Yes, I mean, it makes uh, it's fertile ground for the imagination of conspiracy theorists. Um, and indeed for fiction, they've, they've shown up apart from the, the numbers station, which, again, neither of us have actually seen, but I assume it's John Cusack investigating... I did yeah. once drunkenly try to get in contact with John Cusack whilst in Prague. Mm. Didn't work? No, his agent got back to us, but we never got to speak with the actual man himself. Oh, well, there we go. True um, story. Mm. It's amazing what happens when you've been drinking the Kraken. Mm. Uh, now, Lost, of course, famously, had, had the numbers that when they, they showed up on the island, they fairly quickly found this mysterious broadcast of numbers going off, but it turned out to be... A different thing, and did, did they ever actually find out what the numbers signify? I lost interest and lost... The numbers were used to input into the computer that stops an electromagnetic anomaly from going off. Right. So it was both a Dharma initiative experiment. Can you get someone to put a random string of numbers into a machine on the notion if they don't, something bad will occur? And also, something bad will occur if you don't put the numbers into the machine. The Dharma Initiative had really, really weird ideas as to how to run experiments. This is an experiment of psychology. Also, if you don't put the numbers in, everyone is actually going to die, for real. Yeah. Uh, what else? Fringe, good old Fringe. Much more enjoyable show than Lost, I thought. And, I think, a much better show than The X-Files. Mm, mm. Until Apart the last, last, yeah, that, season, that yeah, last yeah, season. That last season was truly awful. That was an unfortunate case of a show unexpectedly getting renewed and suddenly having to pull an entire yeah. plotline out of its ass. Yeah, but, but otherwise, anyway. they, they did a numbers station mm. episode. Welcome to Night Vale had a numbers station plotline for quite some time, which was actually quite disturbing because the usually robotic or pre-recorded voice appeared to be completely self-aware of their role as a numbers station and didn't like it. Mm. And the Banshee chapter. Oh yes, Possibly one of our favourite films. It's a good, good film. It's, uh... Imagine doing an H.P. Lovecraft story as found footage with Hunter S. Thompson as a main mm. character. Then you have the Banshee chapter. That is basically quite a good explanation of it. It's yeah, a good, a good, it's a good found footage film, which yeah, is rare enough yeah, as it is. Very rare. Yeah. Have you seen The Borderlands? Yes, yes. That's also a very good, good found footage Although, film. like most found footage films, the who's edited all this stuff yes. together, that's always a problem with found footage material. Yeah, I mean, and, and they, they had the decency at one point when they're venturing through labyrinthine tunnels underground to show the guy putting some sort of a wireless repeater somewhere. Yes. So that their, their signals actually, could be the, the very out, first but, um, found footage film, which actually predates the Blair Witch Project by about a year, and it's about two guys going into the woods, I think to look for evidence of Bigfoot or some cryptozoological character. And it has the the clever explanation as to who edits the footage because there's no monster in the film. It's one of the two is actually luring someone in to die. And of course he's the one who then edits the film together afterwards. Mm, so the very first film solves the issue of who actually edits the footage together. Uh, but it Normally, it's a case of, is there a department somewhere that just goes through found footage and goes, we've got 800 hours, we have to get an hour and a half film out of this, I'm going to be here all week. God, these jump scares are so annoying. Mm. But anyway, number stations. 
so there, there have been because because they can be um, picked up by basically anyone who tunes their radio to the right frequency. There have been some some kind of more, more famous ones, ones that have got a bit of a following, I guess, if it is possible to be a fan of a number station. Well, I mean, there are communities online mm. that that collect and disseminate number stations' recordings because you have to remember they're not broadcasting all the time. So if mm. you're the kind of aficionado who's interested in number stations, you may have to be searching the wavelengths to find them on the notion they might be broadcasting once or twice a month. Mm. So it's quite a rare occurrence to hear one, and thus people record their searches and then disseminate. So yes, it is, it is, there is a fandom for number stations online. Mm. It's, the, it's the hippest musical trend you've never heard of. Yes. So uh, one, one such um, numbers, well, famous number station is the Lincolnshire Poacher, so named because it starts by playing the first two bars of an English folk tune called the Lincolnshire Poacher. Uh, the lyrics go, Oh, tis my delight on a shining night in the season of the year, when I was bound apprentice in famous Lincolnshire, t'was well I served my master for nigh on seven years. I assume there's no significance to that. It's just uh, the equivalent of clearing one's throat and that it's the same tune every time. But um, Yes, yeah, so I suppose there is a, there'll be a rhyme and a reason as to why that tune. And also, presumably, it allows people to go, oh, this, this is a broadcast from a particular group or person. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, so yes, apparently it repeats that 12 times, moves on to messages read by the disembodied voice of a woman reading groups of five numbers in what is apparently a clipped upper-class English accent. I would like to point out that every radio broadcast technically is a disembodied voice. Mm, yes, I don't know quite why they needed to, felt the need to uh, add that detail, detail in there. Um, and, and there was some, something about the, the of, of the five numbers, the fifth one is at a higher tone or something, her voice goes up at the end, which maybe she's actually, means she's actually Australian and just pretending to put on an English accent. Or Kiwi. Well, yes, no, we do do the, the what do they call it, the rising terminal or what have you. Um, and yeah, I mean, so that, again, I don't believe anyone ever sussed out exactly, you know, who, who was behind it or what it was for, other than the obvious appearing to be, oh, my, my tablet is making interesting noises. Let's tell you to be quiet. Lots of number stations mm. you can contact. Wasn't it broadcasting from an RAF base at one particular point in time? Um, Cyprus, apparently. I don't know if the British Air Force has a presence in Cyprus, but supposedly that, that, that one came there. Um, it went from the mid-70s, apparently, until June of 2008 was the last time someone heard a recording from it. Um, but then there was another station uh, that went by the name of Cherry Ripe because it played the bars of another folk song called Cherry Ripe, the world's most disgusting uh, chocolate. Yes, I have to say that was actually what I was mm. thinking. Yes. I don't, don't know if they have them in other countries by the same name, but over here, especially you get the box, it's favourites, isn't it? You get a box of little bars of chocolates, and they have the chocolatey ones, and the minty ones, and the caramelly ones, and so Then they have the fucking cherry ripe that every good-minded person pulls out straight away and throws straight in the bin, because they are disgusting filth. Unless you know someone who likes them, and then you just give them all to them and eat all the other chocolates. Although that person is also disgusting mm. filth. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. If you like cherry ripes and you listen to this podcast, 
you know where to go mm. straight to hell. Uh, but anyway, so, so Cherry Ripe was another one uh, which was seemingly sort of a, a sister station to the Lincolnshire Poacher. Um, it appeared to start sending signals, the same sorts of signals, after the Lincolnshire Poacher went off air. But then it also apparently hasn't been heard of since December 2009. And so there's a bunch of these around the world. Um, but then, then there's the slightly weirder ones. Tell me about Ooh. the weird ones, Joshua. Then there are the ones. So there's um, uh, UVB76, also known as MDZHB, also known as The Buzzer. Dun, dun, um, dun. So this is a shortwave radio station, broadcasts a short, monotonous buzz, hence the name, uh, repeating at a rate of approximately 25 tones per minute, 24 hours per day, according to my now, notes Now, these here. are often called noise stations mm. by members of the number station listening community. Yes, because it doesn't, it doesn't appear to, to do this sort of, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? They're not scratch pads, the paddy pad pad things, what are they called? Cryptological things that you were talking before. Pads. I thought. Oh, I thought. There were, I thought there was a fancier name than just pad, but it, it's not doing that thing anyway for for seemingly cryptological purposes. Um, it just makes these buzzes, and then every now and then, um, the the buzzing is interrupted by a voice transmission in Russian. Um, so sometimes it, it tends to be just a few snatches of just random words, just just you know, n not a sentence, just. Um, a bunch of words in a row. Every now and then, um, other other background noises are heard. Some uh, at one point, w once or twice, um, uh, snatches of conversation have been picked up, suggesting that rather than being uh, a, some sort of setup whereby you know a machine or whatever is generating this tone and broadcasting it straight onto the air, it sounds as though you have some sort of permanently open microphone into which these noises are being played, and occasionally it's picking up things that's been heard, uh, things noises in the background. Um, it's still going, as far as I know. It, it, uh, g given the um, the uh, Russian language showing up, it does appear to originate from Russia, uh, from two locations in Russia, apparently, one near St. Petersburg and one near Moscow. Um, supposedly, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, it's it started broadcasting more frequently, which is, is odd. Um, that, that as, as you said before, these things tend, tended to be a Cold War sort of a thing. Um, and yet, after the Cold War, this one stepped up its, its um, actions. Um, and so nobody really quite seems to know exactly what the hell it is. It doesn't appear to be a numbers station as in, in the way that the other, other ones were for. So um, some, some theories go a little more uh, apocalyptic, perhaps you could say, that the idea is perhaps this is some sort of a, a dead man switch sort of a thing, that as long as this continues to broadcast, um, everything is fine, but should the broadcast cease, say because St. Petersburg and Moscow have been destroyed, um, this, will be the, this will automatically trigger a retaliatory nuclear strike, um, which seems a little... Little extreme, and there isn't. A yes, and I mean these kind of failsafe mechanisms, of course, are incredibly fraught if they're being used for that particular thing. Because if someone just forgets to make the broadcast, or there's a power cut, which means the broadcast can't be made, then the entire world is reduced to ashes because a light bulb went out in St. Petersburg. Mm. 
Um, so another theory is simply that it's it's just um, reserving the frequency that by sending out noise uh, on, on a regular basis at this particular frequency, it kind of means no one else can broadcast on it. So maybe they're just making sure that um, this, this frequency belongs to them essentially, and that maybe there's some you know who knows emergency broadcast system, some particular. Uh, extra redundant communications channel for who knows what or whatever, uh, just make sure that should at some point in the future they ever decide that they need to use that channel, they can be sure no one else is going to be cluttering it up because they've effectively bagsied it. And of course people have tried to analyse the static or the noise itself to find out whether it is itself a form of encryption. And the results thus far have been, if it is a form of encryption, no one's quite sure how it works. Hmm. So there you go, and so and th this is not the only one. Um, there's one called the Pip, and another called the Squeaky Wheel. Again, I believe both just named after the the weird noises that they broadcast out there. That are not number stations are something else, um, and nobody's really quite sure what. Now the reason why these get kind of subsumed under the num number station phenomena is that because we're not entirely sure what number stations are doing now. Other phenomena of this particular type, which are quite definitely human in origin, not to suggest the existence of a alien broadcasts, but i.e. someone is yeah, yeah. yeah, someone is generating these tones. People are going, well, that's kind of the same phenomena in that we don't know what they're doing, so we're going to assume they're all part of the same kind of purpose. Mm. And then, of course, conspiracy theories abound because we know we we, we know for certain that uh, number stations, at least, were used by um, secret agencies doing secret things. The 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 very definition of conspiratorial activity. So um, it it doesn't take much of a leap to assume that whatever's happening at the moment uh, with these things, it is some people acting in secret towards some sort of a goal, uh, and, and that, that, that spells conspiracy. In yes, models. and people do try to correlate these broadcasts to events in the world, but then we get to that particular problem we have with correlation not being causation, mm. which is depending on what you're interested in, you can probably find a salient event which correlates with a numbers station broadcast somewhere in the world, but just because you've got a correlation there, which is temporally related, doesn't actually tell you that it was causative or being reported upon by the numbers station. Because we don't know what's going on, it's easy to infer meaning to these broadcasts, but once again, we just don't know what's going on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we saw way, way, way back when, a long time ago, when we looked at the good old harp station, that was the sort of thing we saw there, wasn't it? When people knew that these broadcasts, it was it was shooting inf uh, electricity or whatever it was up into the ionosphere, and if you're if you're convinced that, for instance, an, an installation like HARP was affecting the weather and causing extreme events, th there's a lot of weather happening all around the world pretty much all the time, so you can always find something to map to something. But yeah, doesn't doesn't really tell us a lot. No. And in the case of these numbers that were unlike HARP, which actually, you know, published results and told us what it was about, these things uh, remain secret. Um, so we really, we really don't have a lot to go on, and I don't know that there's much more to say. No, apart from 12, 16, 23, 
42. 66. And, and that's number wang. It is number wang. Congratulations. You've just won pie. Um, if, you, if you're not aware, that's a, a Mitchell and Webb sketch about a, a phony game show that just involves people reading out numbers and then someone will identify one of those numbers as number wang. Or the sequence that, of, I mean, the, mm. the rules of num number wang are so vague, you don't know, is it the right number? Is it the sequence mm. of numbers? Or is Robert Webb so excited by some numbers, he yells out, number wang! Mm. That's number wang. Yes, I, I assure you it is actually funny. And it does include the line, um, number wang, the number wang format has been broadcast in all sorts of different, uh, in countries like Australia, such as New Zealand, <laughs> and also Australia. Uh, but anyway, that's all for, num it's, uh, for number stations. It's an interesting topic. Um, it, it is one of those slightly spooky kind of things that if you actually look into it, it's, it's, it, it, it makes a person go, hmm. So, and as we um, say in this podcast, and people go, hmm. hmm. Conspiracy theories will abound. So do do look mind. into them if they sound interesting. But for now, uh, I think we'll we'll call it quits and uh, just get on with the news. Seven and sixteen. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Well, last week we discussed, and to an almost insulting degree mispronounced, Jamal Khashoggi. Well, you did. You'll note that I stridently try to avoid saying anyone's name on this podcast. Yes, that's true. Last week I insultingly mispronounced Jamal Khashoggi's name. Khashoggi, you will recall, was the Washington Post journalist who went into the Saudi embassy in Istanbul uh, and never came out. Now... We may have jumped the gun there, because as this week's drawn on, this case has just become more and more fascinating, horrifying, uh, and indeed conspiratorial. It's hard to know where to start. There have been claims that Mr... Khashoggi... ...recorded his own murder with an Apple Watch synced to his iPhone. Uh, although some um, have claimed that this is just Turkey covering for the fact that they actually had the embassy bugged. There have been various theories as to the nature of his death. Yes, um, earlier on, there were claims that he'd been captured and drugged for questioning, uh, with his captors inadvertently killing him via an accidental overdose, but more recent leaks um, have claimed that the aforementioned recordings reveal him being tortured or, or possibly even dismembered while still alive. Pretty chilling. More details have emerged of the alleged Saudi agents who flew from Riyadh to Istanbul and back again on the same day. Mr. Khashoggi disappeared. Uh, yes, Turkey released scans of seven of their passports, which were then published by uh, the Washington Post, uh, with faces obscured though, um, and we were treated to the claim that a bone saw was among the gear they brought with them. Well, I always travel with my bone saw. Mm. And Saudi Arabia's response has continued to evolve with announcements that they are preparing to make an announcement, admitting that Mr. Khashoggi did die, but accidentally. And due to the actions of rogue agents, or something, because rogue agents in an embassy is a staple of 80s and 90s action film fiction. Yes, and one gets the sense that there's still more to come. So, for now, we're just going to keep our ignorant mouths shut, uh, and wait until at least some degree of conclusiveness has been arrived at before we talk about the affair anymore. 
But now, some local news. Yes. Botany MP Jamie Lee Ross. Hang, hang, hang. Sorry, I, I thought you were trying to avoid saying people's names. Yes. Yeah, but but you just said Jamie Lee Ross. Well... You just don't like saying foreign names, do you? You're a name racist. Look, it's true that European names are easier on my tongue than non-European names. And by European names, I mean Western European names. Don't get me started on all the issues I had in Romania. And actually, by Western European names, I mean English names. And probably only names from the south of England. Maybe the towns off the White Cliffs of Dover. That um, sounds a bit dodgy. Look, it's speech disfluency and the fact I was largely deaf as a child due to someone's parents not noticing my ears were filled with wax. I find pronouncing any new word to be an almost insurmountable task. Fine, I'll provide the details, you can say the names. Mm. So Botany MP Jamie Lee Ross has come out and charged the leader of the National Party a Simon Bridges with corrupt practices. Now it's important to note that both uh, Ross and B B Bridges belong to the same party. Mm. So this isn't the usual crossbench style of allegation. Indeed, it's worse than you might think because Ross was the senior whip and the numbers person in the National Party until very recently. He literally was the person counting the monies and keeping MPs in the party in line. So for Ross to start claiming his own party leader has been hiding electoral donations is pretty big news, especially since it is not only suggesting a cover-up of how National's finances work, but has come with allegations of even more conspiracies in the National Party. Yeah, the gist of the story is this. As mentioned earlier this year, Simon Bridges' travel expenses were leaked three days before they would have become public knowledge anyway. Um, suspecting that someone in the government was trying to embarrass him, uh, Bridges demanded an investigation into who leaked and why. However, it soon became clear that the likely leaker was someone in Bridges' own party who wanted to either embarrass uh, or even possibly change their leader. But Bridges continued to demand an investigation. Um, even if it would actually make things worse for him rather than better. Yes, and this week that investigation concluded and pointed the finger at... <gasps> a Jamie Lee Ross. Although it should be pointed out there's no direct evidence he was the leaker, just circumstantial evidence which puts him in the right place at the right time. Yes, Ross's reaction to the report um, was to claim that not only had he been framed, but it was a political hit job on him because of a falling out between him and Bridges. Uh, not just that, but Bridges was corrupt, which led to a ra rather extraordinary press conference the next day. Over the course of an hour, Ross detailed what he took to be corrupt practices by Bridges and other members of the National Executive. In short, Bridges hid a New Zealand $100,000 donation by knowingly having it broken up into smaller donations which would not have been needed to be publicly declared under our country's electoral finance laws. This is, as Ross pointed out, a corrupt practice which would not only make Bridges corrupt but also ineligible to be in Parliament if convicted. 
Ross then promised to take these allegations to the police and then release recordings to the media which confirmed his version of the story. Things then got dark when Ross claimed that Bridges and his deputy, Paula Bennett, had tried to blackmail him with sexual harassment allegations a few months earlier, but not only would not provide details as to what those allegations were, but also said that if Ross didn't step down, more such allegations would appear. This press conference occurred whilst the National Party were in a closed session deciding the fate of Jamie Lee Ross, and thus Simon Bridges had to address the claims without much briefing later that afternoon. His denials were vague, frankly. He basically said, I'll wait until I've heard the recording before I say much more about this, which seemed uh, a bit worrying at the time, really. But then it gets more interesting. It turns out there were allegations against Ross, according to Bennett, but they weren't of a sexual nature. Rather, they were workplace bullying claims. Mm. Uh, Bennett said Ross was just trying to make himself look old, <laughs> be a victim. But the next day, four women released an anonymous report about their harassment by Ross, um, some of which was actual sexual harassment. Um, Bridges and Bennett are shocked by the revelations, revelations which Ross told the country about the day before, uh, which he only knew about due to Bridges and Bennett. Um, which looks like a cover-up by the National Party to hide the fact they had credible claims of sexual harassment against one of their own MPs, but refused to act upon them. Not a good look. But then Ross released the media recording of the conversation he had with Bridges, which didn't actually show a donation being laundered illegally. Although it did, did show that National's recent push for a more diverse set of MPs is entirely predicated on which ethnic groups donate the most money to the party. So that's interesting. Yes. Um, all in all, the lesson this week in Aotearoa is that ego amongst our politicians is rife, and even if the main opposition party is not laundering donations, it is willing to cover up sexual harassment. And with that terrible moral out of the way, I think we spent just about all the time we have this week on news. Uh, join our patrons, if you dare, for more news in our patron bonus episode, where, we'll be, <coughs> sorry, where we will be talking about Facebook's purge of independent media affecting both the left and right, the rise of NPC accounts on social media, and Volkswagen once again getting caught cheating out, getting caught out cheating on their emissions. Finally, this week's winning lottery numbers. If you happen to still be listening in the Andy Bashago alternate universe. 8. 13. 17. 23. 34. 145. Pi. And that's number wang. Good night, Seattle. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It is written, researched, and performed by Josh Atterson a.k.a. Monkey Fluids, and MRX Dentith, a.k.a. Conspiracism on Twitter. This podcast is available where all good podcasts can be found, as well as iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. It can also be watched on YouTube. Just search for the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, or, if you happen to be technophobic, consult the auguries. You can support the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy via our Patreon page, as listed in the podcast description, 
or just by searching for us on Patreon. You can also support us via the Podbean patronage system, if that is more your style. You do you. If you want to get in contact with us, why not email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. And remember, remember, oh December, what a night.